You're listening to the Promised Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Amen. Amen. I, I, I asked Jeremy and Amanda to share, and I knew they wouldn't go into detail, but these, these people give um, and will never take credit for it. And if you want to learn how to create a lifestyle of generosity, I just I challenge you to go uh, take them to dinner and to learn what it looks like to live that way. Uh, I believe every single one of us is called to be generous, uh, not just with money, but with our time, with our resources, with our skills and our giftings, with our lives. And uh, today I want to talk briefly, very briefly, about um, a series that we started a couple weeks ago about finances and uh, I want us to just jump right in to Luke chapter 19. I want to read this for you. It's a story we've heard before, but Luke chapter 19 verse 12 says this. So he told them the story to change their perspective. Let this change your perspective today. Once there was a wealthy prince who left his province to travel to a distant land where he would be crowned king and then return. Before he departed, he summoned his 10 servants together and said, I am entrusting each of you with 50 thousand dollars to trade while I am away invest it and put the money to work until I return some of his countrymen despised the prince and set a delegation after him to declare before the royals royals we refuse to let this man rule over us he will not be our king nevertheless he was crowned king and returned to this land then he summoned his 10 servants to see how each how each one had earned and what their profits came to The first one came forward and said, Master, I took what you gave me and invested it and multiplied it ten times. Splendid. You have done well, my excellent servant, because you have shown that you can be trusted in this small matter. I now grant you authority to rule over ten cities. Everybody say cities. The second came and said, Master, what you left me has multiplied five times. His master said, I also grant you authority in my kingdom over five fortress cities. Everybody say cities. Another came before the king and said, Master, here is the money you entrusted to me. I hid it for safekeeping. You see, see, I live in fear of you. For everyone knows that you are a strict master and impossible to please. You push for a higher return on all that you own. And you always want to gain from someone else's efforts. The king said, You wicked servant, I will judge you using your own words. If what you said to me is true, that I am a harsh man pushing you for a high return and wanting gain from others' efforts, why didn't you at least put my money in the bank to earn some interest on what I entrusted to you? The king said to his other servants, Take the money he has given, or he has, and give it to the faithful servant who has multiplied my money ten times. Hashtag capitalism. But master, the other servants objected, why give it to him? He already has so much. Yes, replied the king, but to all who has been faithful, even more will be given them. For the ones who have nothing, even the little they seem to have will be taken away from them. I want to tell you that your finances are a training ground of the Lord so that he can teach you how to reign and rule as a partner with him. The Bible is very clear that you and I are called to be disciples. And as a church and as individuals, we are meant to disciple cities and nations. And for us to begin to disciple those people, God uses our resources, our finances, our possessions to teach us how to be able to disciple cities. It is training for reigning with the Lord. 
God does not merely give you principles and disciplines to better yourself financially. He gives them to you so that you can rule and reign with him. I'm going to say it again, and I want everybody to say amen, even if you don't believe it. God does not merely give you disciplines and principles to better yourself financially, but so that you can rule and reign with him. This is what the Lord uses your finances for. In Luke chapter 10, it says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, what is the unrighteous mammon? Money. Your money is your unrighteous mammon, possessions. Who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? If you have not been faithful with the unrighteous mammon, with your money, with your possessions, who will entrust to you the true riches of life? What are the true riches? True riches are souls. True riches is, is a family that loves the Lord. True riches is seeing your, your marriage be strong and healthy. True riches is seeing your children be passionate in serving the Lord. These are the things that matter. And God is saying he uses the unrighteous mammon in our lives to train us, to teach us, to prepare us for the eternal true riches of life. That your money is a training ground for the Lord to prepare you to receive the things that actually matter. The things that actually matter. And this series is titled The 10, the 90, and the 100. And if you've been in church longer than 50 seconds, you know, I don't know why I'm using 50 seconds today, but apparently it's a good amount of time. If you've been in church longer than five minutes, you know that most of the time all we hear about in church is tithing. Must tithe, give 10, give it to the Lord. You've got to do it. And if you don't, you're going to die. Pretty much. But God also cares about the 90. He cares about what you do with the rest of it. And more importantly, he's not talking to you about the 10. He's not talking about the 90. He wants it all. Praise God. Man, money is a great way to just make the room go silent really fast. Work with me this morning. God is not after your 10. He's after your 100. He's after everything. God does not say, you know what, just give me 10% of your life. No, he says, here is an invitation to give me everything. Amen. Amen. Tithing is important, and we must, we must walk in obedience to the Lord. If you weren't here a couple weeks ago, I encourage you to listen to the message I spoke about tithing, that every time you get paid, every time you receive income, you are taking a test. The number 10 represents a test that you are saying, will I trust the Lord that me and him with 90 is better than me with 100% of my own? And I'm going to trust the Lord. And it says that when you give, which the tithe is holy to the Lord, it says that the Lord opens up the windows of heaven to bless you and he rebukes the devourer on your behalf. That tithing is not part of the law. It did not die at the cross. That tithing predates the law. And it is part of the power of God in scriptures that he says, if you will entrust into me with your first, with the beginning of your increase, I will, I will protect you and I will bless you. So I, I got to tell you there, I could go, I had examples, I just don't have time to share, but one I will share really briefly is as a church, we experienced what tithing does from the very beginning. When we became pastors here about five and a half years ago in May of 2014, where there was about 75 people a part of this church. We didn't have enough money to pay for this building. Uh, the bank came to us because our debt to income ratio was really, really bad and said, if you don't receive, begin bringing in more income, we're going to take back the building. 
And so we got together as an as a eldership team and a board and pastors, and we just began to pray. And we felt like the Lord began to ask us and say, will you begin to tithe on every dollar that comes in? Now, we were tithing individually, but we were not tithing as a church corporately. And we didn't have. We, had, we didn't have enough to pay the bills. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're sitting there being like, bro, tithing sounds great, but you don't understand my situation. Trust me, we've been there. We had the bank on our door saying if something doesn't change, we're going to take back your building. And God said to give. That's the last thing you want to hear in that moment. What you want to say is, I got blessings in store for you. But the Bible is very clear. It says, when you trust the Lord, when you give, when you don't have, God begins to pour out such blessings upon you that you won't be able to have room enough to receive it. And if you go back to the time we started to tithe, all of a sudden our church began to grow, our income began to increase, and it wouldn't before. That when we begin to trust in the Lord and we begin to tithe, sorry, I'm yelling at you. I'm going to bring my voice down. Not yelling at you. I haven't settled down since worship. Listen to a couple weeks ago if you haven't already. And then so we would have talked about the 90 last week, but God changed the plans. And, uh, but the 90, if you cannot be faithful with the 90, you'll never be able to live a generous life. Generosity doesn't start with tithing. Generosity starts with managing and stewarding your 90 effectively. That if you cannot be faithful with what God has given you, if you cannot steward well with what God has entrusted you, the full hundred, you'll never be able to live a life of generosity. If you do not keep a budget in your life, you'll never be able to be generous. Amen. If you do not keep a budget in your life, you'll never be able to be generous because your money will be telling you where it's going and you will not be telling it where to go. You'll never be able to create space in your life to begin to live generously for the Lord if you do not know where your money is going. Every single person, every believer, I don't care whether you make a million dollars a year or $10,000 a year, you need to know where your money is going. That is called being a good steward of what God has entrusted you with. God will not give you the true riches of life if you do not steward well. And I used an example a couple weeks ago. Why would God give you a soul to disciple if your car cannot even be stewarded? Your possessions are a training ground to be able to disciple souls, to begin to receive the true riches of life. If you can't take care of your house, if you can't take care of your stuff, why would God give you a person, a soul to take care of? Generosity is actually a command from the Lord. Did you know that? He commands us to be generous. 1 Timothy 6, 18 through 19 says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Generosity is a command from the Lord because he calls you and I to live like him. He calls you and I to imitate Jesus. And what was Jesus? The most generous person ever. He gave of himself. He laid himself on that cross and said, kill me so that I can give it myself for the rest of humanity. He gave himself the ultimate sacrifice. And you and I are commanded to live like him, a life of generosity. It's a command from the Lord. And there is an equation that I want you to remember this morning. That God is the God of multiplication. And you and I, with what we have, we can only add and subtract. It's the only ability you got. You can either get more income or spend more of your money. But God is the God of multiplication. God is the God of multiplication. He wants to partner with you to see not only what you have multiplied, but to see it multiplied across the world and other people's lives. And this equation, obedience plus generosity equals multiplication. 
Obedience plus generosity equals multiplication. Obedience is the tithe. Generosity is above. And then there comes the multiplication. Okay? Tithing is not generosity. Is that too hard for us to hear this morning? Tithing is not generosity. Tithing is obedience. Generosity is extra. I will go even a step further. Generosity is painful. That's when you know you're being generous, when it hurts. And then, after you go through that, that process, right, Jeremy? When you, after you've done it for a while, all of a sudden there is so much joy in giving, you don't even feel the pain anymore. Because it's all his. You'll never be able to be generous until you've actually surrendered it to the Lord. It's all about control. If you won't give him 100% of your finances, you'll never live generously because you'll always be like, I don't know if I can give my money. But when it's his, you don't care. You know how easy it is to give someone else's money away? My kids are so eager to give away our furniture, to give away our cars, to give away their toys because they know that Das is going to keep providing for them. It's really easy to give away somebody else's stuff. When you recognize that it's all his, it's like, yeah, I'll give it all away because I know he'll be my provider. I'm not my provider. Luke 9, I want to read you a story, and I want to break it down for you. It's the feeding of the 5,000, Luke 9, chapter 12. We've heard this story many times. I know I'm talking fast today. I don't got much time, but, it, but, but take notes. For the next 10, 15 minutes, I want you to pull out your, your phone. I want you to pull out a pen and paper. I want you to begin to take notes through this scripture. Luke 9, 12 through 17 says, Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men which were there, so there's about 15,000 people counting the men and children or the women and children. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. In this story, we're going to learn how multiplication happens. You and I, we desire to see what we have multiplied, and it happens through a process with the Lord. And I want to start from the beginning of this story. We're going to work our way through. And the Lord is going to show you what it looks like to live a life of generosity. So in verse 12, if you'll put that back up there. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging. Because we are in a remote place. And he replied, you give them something to eat. Generosity starts with you. If you look down your row right now, you'll see people with different needs, with different struggles, with different problems. You can't help but look around and even in this own church and find people who, if God doesn't come through, they're going to be screwed. If, if this doesn't change, their marriage is going to fall apart. Needs everywhere. If, they, if money doesn't come in, they're not going to be able to stay in their house. Needs 
everywhere. And we are so good about passing the buck. We're so good about looking for somebody else to step in and take responsibility. I don't need to do it. I'm sure somebody else will do it. We ask for volunteers to come and to serve and something. Somebody else will show up. We ask for people to come to a, to a Saturday night and begin to pray for the city of Kalama. Somebody else will go. We're really good about shifting responsibility. But here's the Lord. And he, he hears this question from the disciples. And they're like, look at all these problems around us, Jesus. Look at all these needs. Look at all these people that I can see that if God, if you don't do something, they're, they're in trouble trouble and you want to know what Jesus says to them you be the solution you be the answer generosity begins with you looking at yourself and not looking at other people to be the answer God wants to use you generosity begins with recognizing that God has called me to live a life of generosity it is not about shifting the blame to somebody or shifting the blame to to this person or even shifting it to the Lord That generosity begins with not asking God, how are you going to do it? But it simply responds with saying yes. It is not my job to meet their needs. It is not my job to solve their problems. My job is one thing. It is to say yes. Too often we do not live a life of generosity because we see a need. Right? And all of a sudden we know that somebody needs $5,000. And we're like, well, I only got 100 to give. Well, it's not going to be enough, so why do it? We're trying to solve their problems. Your job is not to solve their problems. Your job is to say yes. Well, God, if I give this, it's just going to be a drop in the bucket. At the same time, it's not your job to figure out how you'll survive. But God, if I give this money, if I give this, how will I make it? See, when it's all his and he says give, you simply say yes. You let him worry about the how. That is called faith. That is called trusting the Lord. Well, Aaron, that doesn't sound very wise. It's amazing how in the kingdom of God, the foolish things confound the wise. Living a life of generosity does not always make sense. Your job is to not figure out the how, to not ask the what ifs. It's simply to say yes. They answered, and they said, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. If you're here today and you're hearing about generosity, your first thought may be, well, you don't know what I have. I don't have anything to give. I have very little. You should look at my bills. You should look at what's in my bank account. There's no way I can begin to live a life of generosity. You don't understand I'm on a fixed income. You understand I just live on social security. There's no way for me to live a life of generosity. There's no way for me to give. Generosity begins with what you have. It doesn't begin when you get more. It begins with what you have. And here's these disciples like, God, you want me to do what? This is all I've got. I've just got a Jewish happy meal. There's no way this is going to make any dent on 15,000 people. What you have, what God has given you is the beginning of you living a life of generosity. He's not waiting for you to make more money. To begin to be generous. If you can't be a good steward and generous and faithful with what he's entrusted you, why would he give you more? I've shared this before, but back when I was 16, the Lord asked me to give away all of my nice clothes. To give them all away. Didn't make sense to me, but I just said yes. Two years later, when I was 18, he asked me to give away my car. 
I had nothing to drive after I gave it away, but he asked me to give it away. Last year, the Lord asked my wife and I to give away all of our house savings to sow into starting a nonprofit to see the gospel reached or go into all the world where it's hardest to reach. And not only that, but he said, now I want you to give the same amount every year. You want to know why he could entrust us with that? Because we said yes when it was just simply clothes. We said yes when it was just a car. And now all of a sudden it's a house savings. You want to know why David was able to defeat Goliath? Because he defeated the lion and the bear before. If you can't become generous with a little, you're never going to become generous with a lot. If you can't become a good steward with a little, you're never going to become a good steward with a lot. More money is not your solution. More money is not your provider. Jesus alone is your provider. And until you surrender it all to him, you'll always have a perspective of without. You'll always have a perspective of lacking. Jesus says, you give them. You give them what you have is the perfect place to start being generous. Your $5, your clothes, your giftings, what you have in the bank, what you have in your wallet, what you think is very little, what you think is insignificant. That's where God wants to teach you. Jesus responds to his disciples and he says, he doesn't even answer their question. He just says, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, and taking the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, and he broke them. The Lord shows us how to begin being, to be generous. It starts with thanksgiving. Generosity begins with a heart of thankfulness. And if you don't have this, all you'll do is look at what you have and think it's not enough. If you can't be grateful with what the Lord has entrusted you with, you will never live a life of generosity because you always will be, have discontentment in your heart, you always feel without. You'll feel like, I don't have enough. You'll get frustrated. You'll be bitter. It begins with a heart of gratitude. God, I'm thankful for today. I'm not just thankful for what you're going to do. I'm thankful for what you've given me. I'm thankful for what you've trusted me with. I'm thankful for the opportunity for the job that I have. It may not be the job that I want, but I'm thankful for the job that I have today. Gratitude has a way of changing your perspective to begin to say, you know what? God, it simply came from you, so I'm just going to be grateful. All my life belongs to him. And I'll be grateful for whatever it looks like. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. I want to show you how multiplication works. When did the food multiply? It did not multiply when Jesus prayed over it. It did not multiply when they gave it to the Lord. They had the food. They gave it to the Lord. He lifted it up. He prayed. Then he gave it back to the disciples. And as they gave it to the people, it multiplied. We've got it all wrong. We think that when we start praying, when we start thinking, when we commit in our heart, all of a sudden God's going to multiply what we have. That's not how it works. God will multiply when it leaves your hand. When it leaves your hand, that's when multiplication begins. When it leaves your control, that's when multiplication begins. When you actually give it away, that's when multiplication begins. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Jeremy and Amanda read this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Notice the word sow. Have you ever tried to sow a seed in your hand? It won't grow. It won't grow. 
We got a lot of people trying to be generous by keeping seeds in their hand. And they're wondering and frustrated why it's not growing and multiplying. It's because it's in your hand still. You've got to put it in the ground of the Lord. You've got to sow it and release control and say, God, I'm not giving to get. I'm not giving. There's no strings attached. Write this down. Generosity removes strings. It removes every string that you try to attach to it. If you try to say, God, I'll give and I expect this, God, I'll give, but I need you to do this. You're trying to manipulate and leverage the Lord, and trust me, it will not work. Generosity requires you to remove strings and say, God, I will simply give. And you must sow it and release control. You must release control. I believe that the Lord wants to raise up a church of extravagant givers. Radical generosity. Radical generosity. It requires a couple of things though. It requires you to become a good steward first. Did you know that the definition of the word generous means a lot? Like if somebody gives you a plate and there's one pea on it, you're not going to be, wow, that's a generous portion. No, but when they put like a thousand peas on your plate, you're like, that is a generous helping. Generous means plentiful. It means a lot. It means a lot. If you are to live a generous life, you must create room to be generous. You must become a good steward of what he's entrusted you with to create room to begin to give. If you've got a gift, if you've got time, you must become a good steward of your time. You must become a good steward of your gift so that you can become generous with your gift, generous with your time. I never have any time to give to anybody. never have any time to help. You're not being a good steward of your time. We must steward what the Lord has given to us so we can become generous with our lives. This isn't a message on money. This is a message on losing control, stewarding what God has given you, and walking out in faithfulness so you can partner with the Lord to rule with Him. God's looking for partners. He's looking for sons and daughters, not servants. Sons and daughters who will rule and reign with Him. And He uses our finances to teach us and to train us And I believe that the Lord is asking many of you to begin to make changes in your finances. Radical changes. My wife and I last year, we made a change to where we lived on 40% of our income. 40% so we could become radically generous. Some of you, God's going to ask you to do crazy stuff. He's going to ask you to sell your house. He's going to ask you to give away things. He's going to ask you to start giving. He's going to ask you to, to give away clothes or a car things that don't make sense why would God do that God see God's not after your stuff he doesn't need your car he doesn't need your money he's after your heart but sometimes he's got to get through your stuff to get to your heart you've placed your treasure in what you own it's time to release ownership give up ownership to the Lord I would say that if you are not living a life of generosity there is a level of, there is a, a, a deepness of relationship with the Lord that you haven't tapped into yet. Because it's in that place of risk taking, it's in that place of losing control with your money where so much is tested, so much is tried. There's a vulnerability where if God doesn't come through, my family's affected. My wife is affected. We can't put food on the table. 
That this is, this is a step for many of you that you've resisted and been hesitant to go down. And I believe the Lord is inviting you today. Will you begin to live a life of radical generosity where it hurts? I thought I was being generous for many years. And the Lord, in December of 2017, spoke to me in a dream and said, you are not even remotely being generous. You give easy. You give when it doesn't hurt. You give when you have. I'm asking you to give to a point where if I don't come through, you're in trouble. I'm asking you to partner together, me and my wife, to begin to live a life of radical generosity where it's all his. Whatever he asks, it's all his. In that place, in that place of radical generosity is when you get blessed before you give. Y'all hear me? Before you get there, you get blessed generally after you give. When your heart finally is surrendered to him, it's amazing how you get blessed before the money even leaves your hand because he can trust you to do it. Oftentimes, we want God to bless us before we say yes. It begins with saying yes and not worrying about the blessing. And then you become, when you live the lifestyle of it, all of a sudden you see the blessing come before he even asks you to give. My wife and I next... Next week on our first fruits offering, I shared this a couple weeks ago, but every year the Lord asks us to double what we give, which at the beginning was super cool and we were excited about it until about year four or five. And then it gets really scary. God gave us three times already what we're going to give next week. Three times already what we're going to give. We haven't even given it yet because God trusts our heart. There is a way of living that seems foolish and seems crazy. I want to describe this way to you. In Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25, it says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. How does that make sense? You give away, yet you get more. Yet another withholds unduly and comes to poverty. When you hold it, when you keep it, poverty comes. When you give it, you get more. I love the backwardness of the kingdom of God. It makes the, the wise things just go away. Foolish things, things that don't make sense. Give and you'll receive. Confounds the wise. If you're here today and you feel like the Lord is calling you to begin to live a life of generosity, I want to pray over you. If that's you, I just want you to stand to your feet. I only want you to stand if you're for real. Don't just do it for me. I believe that the Lord wants to, to ask you to come on a journey with him where you're giving away clothes and it seems so insignificant so eventually he can ask you to give away what matters most. Some of you are at the most already. You've given away. You've killed the lion and the bear and now there's a Goliath in front of you and you're like, I don't know if I can do this. And God's going to give you faith today to begin to live a life of radical generosity. It begins with losing control. If you can't actually give it all to him, you'll never be able to walk it out. It'll just be a great idea. And so if you're standing, I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to begin to just give it to him. Give him everything. Release control. Release control. Father, I don't want to go my own way anymore. I don't want to go my own way. I don't want to come with my strategies. 
That's why when people ask me, what are you going to do in two years from now? I'm like, I'm just saying yes. I don't need to make plans right now. I'm just following. God, where you lead, I will go. God, you want me to give away this? I believe the Lord is beginning to speak to many of you right now about things that you need to surrender to him. Money you need to give. Things you need to sow into other people's lives. Some of you aren't, aren't even tithing right now, and that's a big enough hurdle in and of itself. I believe the Lord is beginning to give you faith to begin to live a life of obedience to the Lord. So, Lord, we just receive faith right now. We surrender it to you. We lay it at your feet. God, it's all yours. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my desires, but your desires, Lord. God, we say yes. We say yes to radical generosity. And just begin to say it to the Lord. God, I say yes. I say yes. I'm not going to worry about the how. I'm not going to worry about the what if. I'm just going to say yes to you. There are some of you here who aren't standing because you have fear of, and you're saying and believing that you can't be generous today because you don't have enough. If that's you, I just want you to stand to your feet. I can't, if you're already standing, I just want you to raise your hand. I can't give because I don't have enough to give. Don't be intimidated. There's nothing to be embarrassed by. If you're saying today, I can't begin to be generous because I don't believe I have enough. If you've got this spirit of, of poverty and lack, I want to pray over you. If that's you, just raise your hand. Anybody else? Father, I pray over these individuals that were bold enough to raise their hand and all those here who are scared to raise their hand. God, that you break the cycle of a spirit and a way of thinking of lack and poverty. God, that what you've given them is enough. What you've given them, the five loaves and the two fish, seemingly insignificant, is right where you want to start with. Right there, in the little in the seemingly insignificant, right there, God, we say yes to you. We commit to live a life of generosity when it seems like it won't make any difference, but we just say yes. Father, people here who are not stewarding well the 90, I pray you bring conviction to their heart to be able to make space to live a life of generosity. For those who don't keep a budget, for those who don't steward well, for those who aren't being faithful with what you've given them, Lord, I pray that you give them tools, that you give them boldness to ask for help. You give them the courage to step out and say, I need somebody to walk with me to teach me these things. Break fear, break insecurity in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're not standing, if you would stand. Two weeks ago, we gave away a book. We, we bought a book for every adult here. Uh, it's a book that we believe is going to help you. There's things that we just don't have time to go into here on a Sunday morning. And so we wanted to invest into everyone here. This book, we will encourage you to read the whole thing. You're going to be talking about it in a lot of small groups. Um, it's going to teach you a lot and go a lot deeper in the area of tithing, in the area of stewardship, in the area of budgeting, in the area of investing, in the, all these different areas that God wants to teach you and, and grow you in. So if you didn't already, get a book, grab a book. Our ushers are going to have them right out here as you walk out. Grab one, one for each spouse so you guys can read it together. You can make your own notes in the book. Amen. Amen. Y'all are literate. Let's all read. Don't just say, hey, honey, you read it and tell me what you learned. No, you invest. Your marriage is a partnership. My wife and I, when we started dating, we put our money together. Because I said, if we can't figure out our money, we're not going to figure out much else. 
I encourage everyone here, your money should be in the same account. I don't got time to go into it, but it, your money should go in the same account. You should look at your finances together. You should make money decisions together. You should know what each other is deciding. You should know what each other is feeling from the Lord. Steward your money as one. Amen? Amen. Come on up, Jeffrey.